Hello, friends, and welcome to To The Point, the home services podcast that focuses on marketing and operational solutions to help you get better. Because if you're not getting better, you're getting worse. Now, let's cut through the bullshit and get to the point. What's up, To The Point listeners? It's your host, Chris Yano, along with my co-host in studio today, Mr. Tall Paul. What's up, my friend? Finally, my man, I'm in the studio six feet apart for our own safety. But man, it feels good, man. It feels good to be in Arizona. I'm not on, 115. I'm on like level 20 today. Do you know why? Can you take two guesses? Well, I, I'm looking at your coffee. I'm looking at your Red Bull, but I don't know how because you've been up since like 3.30 this morning. And I know this because when I travel here, I get to stay with you guys, which is nice. Yep. Yep. We put Paul in the spare bedroom. Um, because Paul is six foot eight, though, we have to uh, roll out the like ex- the little extra table. So when your feet hang off, they can sit on the table. That's because we care about you. It's an ottoman. But hey, Chris, w- why were you up at 3.30? Are you one of those guys that's like, I need to get up before the sun's up and map out my day? I mean, what were you doing up so early, my um, man? Yeah, like this is a great topic. I'm really glad that you brought <laughs> it up. This makes so much sense for this podcast. Um, for anybody that's listening new, uh, I apologize up front um, for, <laughs> for Paul and his stupid questions. Um, so anybody has a dog. You know, I got a bulldog, English bulldogs, which, you know, I thought I wanted a, uh, you know, a fat, lazy dog when we got one this time around. Um, but the sucky part is, is um, if you have a bulldog, they don't, they have a difficult time going to the bathroom. <laughs> and, uh, and our poor bulldog had a difficult time going to the bathroom. And so she went in her cage and that aroma, um, you know, woke me up at about 3.30 this morning. So I got to clean the dog cage 3.30 this morning. And it, you know what? The good news is it was only like 85 degrees in Phoenix at that point in time. So it was actually a really nice, pleasant morning. So, so thanks, Paul. There was a two minutes of everybody's life that they won't get back. So 3.30 in the morning, you're in the backyard with a garden hose cleaning out the cage. Anna's with you. Yes. You're squirting the dog. Yes. I'm allergic to his dog, so I can't pet his dog. So I have to pet it with my foot, which turns out to be like kind of a kick Head rub with a tennis shoe. Okay, this is stupid. Yeah. All right, we're going to move. We're moving well, you've been on. up and at it. We're moving on. I Hence the Red Bull. That was about the Red Bull and the coffee. Yeah. Okay. On no, that's not at all. But okay, whatever. So again, we apologize to the point listeners for Paul's banter. Look at look at producer Kyle over there just giggling. Sorry, but his face is all red. So listen, you listen. I got to. I want to do want to share something with you guys. I was driving in this morning to the uh, to the office, and I don't know if this has ever happened to you guys, um, guests included. Even though we haven't introduced you yet, you feel free to respond. But I was making a right turn, okay, and uh, busy street, you know, busy, busy little intersection, making a right turn. I have a big old um, lifted tundra, big old pickup truck, you know, I make up for my shortcomings. Um, <laughs> and uh, so as I'm making the right, the car in front of me, like, takes off really quick. So I'm like, okay, I'm about to make this light. And there's a dude coming across, and Ball will appreciate this because the guy's on a bicycle <laughs> coming across, like, just darts across in front of me. I almost blasted. This guy. Share the road, bro. Almost blasted this guy. But, like, he kind of, like, left, like, like, he hesitated. You know what I'm saying? Like, he stopped, like, he expected me to stop. But I, or, like, to, I was going to keep going, but I know the rules. So I was going to stop. And that's what you want us to appreciate is that you almost blasted so a guy. So, listen, what it made me think of was, like, you never know. <laughs> you never know when, like, what tomorrow brings, right? You're right. So, you got to make the most of every day. That's the point I'm trying to get at, okay? <laughs> so, I thought about that this morning because I almost... Change that poor guy's life and mine forever. I, so, bet, I anyhow, bet that guy needs sprayed down with a garden hose. For sure. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you. See, you brought it back together. So listen, I want to get to our guests today so we have plenty of time to uh, get through some of these questions. So any of you have listened to our uh, to our podcast, uh, again, thank you. And for all the reviews and all that fun stuff, we love you guys. Um, quick, A couple quick shout-outs before I get to the guests. Um, to some of our new page likes, followers, listeners, all that fun stuff. Diego Garcia, Heather 
Oh gosh, Arling Haas. If I'm butchered that, I'm so sorry. Arling Haas, Arling Haas. Joe Spurlack, uh, Adam Barty. Oh, Adam Barty customer down in yeah. Atlanta. Uh, Aaron Reddick, Scott Bidwell, who will be out here at Rhino X Service Summit in Scott. October. Colorado guy. Uh, Gil Cavi. Oh, that's uh, HVAC Uncensored guys. Well, what up, Gil? Um, Chris Conrad. Rob Minnick. That's and right. Another, my man, another Rob. Yeah. My man, Rob. And uh, Eric Sprague, Blue Collar Podcast. Uh, that's good enough. Hey, okay. And guys, for the for those listening, liking the page, making reviews, keep doing that because this, it, we don't take sponsors. Like, this is a self-funded thing. Man. We do it for the right reasons, and we do it for you. So that's let's right. keep rolling. That's right, man. I hate about the money. Okay, so we want to go ahead and introduce our guests. Um, actually, so we, we have some mutual customers. I guess we would say some mutual clients and mutual friends. Um, they've been involved in a lot of uh, cool, you know, I guess a lot of big deals too. My gosh, when I was going through your guys' um, your your guys' transaction list, uh, I was looking at the different deals you've been a part of. Um, three of those have been my customers. Um, so, and then a couple of them we're close friends with and have been on the podcast. So, for those who have been listening, um, obviously the M and A topic, the mergers and acquisitions topic, all that stuff, private equity, this whole thing has been a is really even. Can't get away from it. You can't get away from it. Um, and we've done a few of them. One with Ken Haynes from the Wrench Group, uh, our good friend, yep. as well as Ken Goodrich uh, here on the West Coast, um, also our good friend. Um, two completely different <laughs> styles, <laughs> I think it's fair to say. Easily. Um, but then you guys also done some stuff with um, with Geiger and Horizon, all those guys too. So um, gr- great human being. But I want to go and introduce our uh, our guest from SFNP Advisors, uh, Mr. Fred Silberstein, who's the president, who's a U of A alum, right? That's right. Yep. So my wife's uh, uh, ASU. So we'll leave it at that. And then, yeah. uh, and then Brian Cohen, who is on the business strategist side of things for SFMP. So hey guys, welcome to the show. We're glad to have you. Thanks. Thanks for having us. We're we're happy to be. Okay. So what we're gonna do is, I know you guys are gonna fight for time to talk, and I'm sure you're probably gonna pass it back and forth because I've seen you guys been on a couple of podcasts. And you do a good job of you know toss it back and forth. So please feel free to do whatever. But first, I want somebody to tackle and really let the listeners know. Um, just one, I always like to let everybody know how you guys even got into the trades because, you know, uh, for those who don't know, I'm the CEO of a digital marketing company called Rhino Strategic Solutions, and we only have worked for the trade since 2008. So we're like an OG in the home services space for digital marketing lead generation. But it wasn't my intention. I got sucked into it because that's what HVAC does. Sucked me right in, and here I am, you know, 12 years later. So how did you guys get into the trades? And then let me, and then go ahead and let the uh, listeners know really exactly what all SF&P does. Go. Sure, sure. I'll, I'll start and I'll let Brian jump in. But out of, uh, out of Arizona, I joined Pricewaterhouse and uh, got my CPA license, did, did some uh, big M&A deals. I was basically one of these bean counters who comes in after the deal and, and does like quality of earnings type of work. And I realized pretty early on that I, um, th- that I liked M&A. And in 1998, I was recruited out of there by a uh, startup consolidator called Blue Dot Services. Blue Dot, yeah. So at Blue Dot, I, I grew Blue Dot from 75 million to 350 million. Blue Dot ultimately imploded. You, you mentioned Dave Geiger, Ken Haynes. They were they were all part of that yep. Blue Dot experiment, I'll call it. And and ultimately, uh, it didn't work out. But there was a lot of great talent in the organization. But after uh, after I bought them at Blue Dot, I got to help sell them back. And shortly thereafter, I, I worked with service experts and helped them That's get right. rid of their uh, bottom performing locations. They had 54 underperformers, and we helped them get some value for them. Met the ARS guys in uh, 2006 when they got it out of Service Master and helped them both on the buy and sell side. I've done nine transactions with them. And, you know, for a while we were doing transactions kind of locally. And then there was ARS and Service Experts. And really about five, six years ago, private equity came into the space. And 
I had obviously built up a, a pretty big uh, database of, of clients and, you know, kind of same, same, same way these guys use, you know, right tech for the right job. I was the right guy and put together a lot of the bigger PE deals. 2015, I did Ken Haynes' deal when he sold to Wrench. 2016, cool, right? TriVest and TurnPoint, I, I did their platform, Downhower in Louisville, Kentucky. Nice. 2017, I did the Horizon deal with Sun Capital. These are just the highlights in those years, obviously. Huge, yeah. 2000, 2018 was, was Ken Goodrich's deal with uh, Gettle and, and Bond wow. Capital Partners. 2019, don't know if you know Keegan and Chad, the, the best home service guys yep. down in our Southwest Florida. The, the, their deal with uh, Alpine came back into the space after sitting out for three years. 2020, we've uh, we've closed five transactions, a couple big ones, and uh, with with Turnpoint and uh, and Kansas City, Steve Burbridge's company, Anthony Plumbing, Heating, and, and Cooling and Electric, and uh, Todd Mann's company, Home Comfort Experts in uh, in Indiana. So. All in all, we've done about 270 deals over a billion dollars in revenue. Last five years, it's uh, 795 million. The B word. Gosh, we don't hear that often. The B word, the bill, over a billion. And you guys actually uh, work with um, one of our current customers, a big customer of ours, too, HB McClure. Yeah, we've uh, we've we've done a couple of deals with with, uh, with with the HB McClure team as as well. Uh, good guys, good guys there too in uh, in Harrisburg. By the way, I love and, it because every time you do and they bring on somebody new, guess who they bring on to do all their digital for them. <laughs> I suspect it's you guys. You damn right. <laughs> Hell yeah, we crush it for them. Actually, um, Jerry Donaldy will be out here in October as well, yeah. speaking with us on our behalf. Great guy, great client. Uh, you mentioned yep. about five years ago, a lot of PE interest started coming along. What drove that at that time? As you look back, so I think they, you know there was there was just it, the industry is very fragmented, right? You look at a guy. Uh, another deal I did was gold medal in, uh, in New Jersey, and one yeah. of the things that Mike Agliaro. Yep. And yeah, Rob. you know those guys, right? Yep. So, so those guys, you know, one of the things they said to me, they're like, we're in 50,000, you know, homes homes a year. And I'm like, yeah, that, that sounds like a lot. And I'm like, well, how many homes can you be in? They're like 3 million. So they're, you know, they were penetrating 1.67%, right? So a lot of room, a lot of fragmentation. These are essential services. So I think the uh, the interest just, you know, keeps going up. And, you know, the, the flip side is that is we're seeing higher multiples and, 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 and better outcomes for, uh, for sellers these days. That's, that's incredible. So talk about higher multiples. What's going on in that space right now? So Brian, you want, you want to take He's, this one? Brian's, Brian's itching to get after it. He's like, let me in. I got notes all over the place. I got such great material. Uh, <laughs> this year got more interesting than last, you know, these private equity companies, you know, obviously they raise private funds, they have to deploy the capital. Um, we, we talked to hundreds of these guys and sometimes they're seeing in, in normal times, they are seeing two to 3000 potential companies to buy come across their desk per month. They're going to look through them. They're going to grab a handful of them. Obviously COVID threw a wrench in that equation. That number has dropped off by 80 to 90%. So now these guys may only be looking at two to 300 deals. Well, they've got this, you know, they have this dry powder, this money that has to be invested. They need to start to look at some other industries to get into so, you know, obviously you can imagine over the last eight, nine months, they've started to gravitate towards this space. And what's happened is as you have more buyers and enter our space, they, there's more interest. You start to bring more people to the table on a deal. Naturally, it's going to drive some of those multiples up. You know, to, to give you a, to put a number of perspective for you, you know, I can think of two deals, Fred, and, and I know you're the ones I'm talking about. But I mean, my gosh, we had 74 buyers come to the table to look at a deal. That's, That's that awesome. was one. We had 124 you know, on another, we have another one going where we actually had to stop. There was enough already. Hey, so is it fair to say, 
if I'm the buyer or the if I'm the buyer, I'm like, damn it. SF and P's come in to represent the seller and they're going to get as much as they possibly can. out. <laughs> that's for sure going to go down well, like that, isn't it? I, I, look, that's definitely part of it, but they, you know, I think they understand some of the work we do, you know, my, my financial expertise and being a CPA. And, you know, I think it's important to get the EBITDA right. EBITDA is 100%. defined as earnings before interest taxes, depreciation, amortization. I like that. And, and next or a for it for ad backs. Right. But that that's really a critical. And, and so we really scrub the EBITDA, make sure the ad backs are right, make sure we're, we're looking at things the right way. And I think given the, the volume of deals we've done, buyers come to appreciate that they're getting numbers that have that have been scrubbed and, and, and we understand the process. And I would say, you know, if you did a survey, I think they enjoy working with us because we help get the deals over the finish line. It's, it's complicated out there. Right. And so we provide a, uh, a valuable uh, assistance and helping them, you know, ultimately close on the deal. And I think they, they respect us for that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the seller obviously is like, hell yeah, I got a seven people. The buyer has a, the buyer has an expense that they take on when they move forward to uh, pursue a transaction. Right. You know, and if we've already done the work, they can feel very confident knowing if they move forward, this isn't something that's going to fall out. Sure. Did you, you know? say there's in a normal market, there's two to 3000 companies on the table to sell at any time. Let me take a step back to, yeah. to so you understand that better. So if I'm a private equity company, I'm a generalist, I'm looking for companies of a certain size, yep. I may have two to 3,000 of those companies, not necessarily HVAC, plumbing, or mechanicals, Got but it. just generally across the board. You know, if you're, listen, if you're a private equity company right now, are you going to go invest in a restaurant? Right. No. Yeah. So all of a sudden, all those deals are no longer out there. Got it. Yeah. And, that, and that's just one example. You can you, you can multiply that by a lot of different industries. I, I like to ask the guys all the time when I when I have these conversations. I'm like, tell me some industries you feel good about investing in in, in this environment. And you know, I might get a one or you know one answer here, one answer there. But for the most part, there's there's not a lot of I mean, a lot of options for them, right? They need to deploy the capital. And these businesses, we are we always knew they were uh, reset, recession resistant. We didn't know they were pandemic. You know, we didn't know they were pandemic proof. <laughs> Guess God. what? We now know they're pandemic proof, right? They, they've done nothing but, but gone, you know, the good guys, right? The guys who know what they're doing, go up and to the right. People are staying home more. They want to be comfortable in their house. And, you know, that, that the result of that is, you know, increased revenue, increased EBITDA. Guys, you know, what's been crazy is even through all this, um, and we've had, a, we have a, a lot of private equity reach out to us, um, Rhino or me specifically, or Paul specifically, because they look at us as a, uh, potential generator of a, of a customer, right? So conduit, yep. um, because we know our customer, we know that we know what the profile is that they're looking for um, and all those things. And uh, not that we get involved in that game much, but there's sometimes I know who's who, like I know the differences between some guys and then Brian, and I've had those conversations as well. Um, uh, and sometimes it does make sense because if I understand that my customer's exit strategy is that they want to sell all or part of the business, that kind of gives me some direction on which way to go. Um, they're looking at, at me or Paul just for what we've learned as like the, uh, third party that's not, it's unbiased, right? For direction, but we're by no means experts in this field. But what something that's been happening for us personally as a business is the volume of capital partners and private equity guys reaching out, trying to buy me have like went through the roof because we're technically, I mean, all we do is work with HVAC plumbing electrician. Like we are in the essential business space and we are very thriving business because our customers are thriving. So it's been crazy the amount of, of conversations I've been in, not only from the contractor side, but also from our side. And, and we're right at the tail end of an acquisition ourselves. It should be done by the end of the month. Um, I will never, ever try to do it by myself with my financial staff again, CFOs and my attorneys and things right. like that. It is a fucking nightmare, man, the details of all that. And that, that, 
yeah, that, that's a really important point, a point, right? Like these guys, and, and we see it happen every now and then, guys go at it alone. And we think that's a huge mistake. One, we can obviously create leverage, but right. more importantly, you got professional deal makers on the other side. You know, yeah. I was I remember what uh what, what Ken said to me. We'd got we'd come out of these meetings and, and he'd be like, Ooh, a lot of a lot of deal experience on that side. And these guys, you know. You may they, they treat you really nice and, and they tell you all the things you want to hear and you may not realize what they're doing, but there's there's tricks to the trade and there's different ways that they can uh, hoodwink you a little bit. And yeah. and we know we know all the tricks and we're able to push back and make sure that we uh, we get the best deal for our clients. Yeah, this is like one of the most important transactions of your life. Like I should have taken my own advice. I knew this going in. Now it's a little different for me. I only say because it's not like I'm purchasing an actual contractor. It's a, it's a competitor of ours, one that you guys will for sure know. I can't wait to make the announcement. Um, but it's an exciting process to go through. But the point is, is that some things that I learned and the questions that I got was what the heck's the difference between private equity and VC and venture capitalists. And so I have people ask me like, what's the differences? You know, do I buy, do I, you know, if I want to buy somebody, do I buy all of them? Do I buy part of it? Like I don't, so I, what's your guys' take on, you know, if you're a contractor, is it better to make an acquisition or is it better to find a partner, like somebody that you can acquire part of their business? Like what is your guys' um, insight on that? If, if our listener, if we have a listener right now who's interested in either selling and or buying. So, so I think it depends on your risk profile, right? So sure. by, by, buy, by buying, you know, you're, you're taking on some of that risk. And one of the reasons to, uh, to find a partner is, is, is to be leveraged that risk, right? Yep. I, I have a client who recently said to me, he wants to grow and he looks at it himself and how big of a check he, he'd have to write to uh, to buy some of these businesses. And he's like, it's not a risk he's willing to take. He'd rather spend the market and the money in marketing dollars and look at it. And he can capture share by by increasing his marketing yep. budget, right? But if he's got to go out and, you know, stroke a three, $4 million check to go buy somebody, you know, down the road, it's it just becomes a, lo- a lot harder of a proposition. And we always like to say, you know, one plus one should equal something greater than two. When you think about acquiring something, the, the back off the savings, the synergies and everything else you get, it, it should be something greater. It's just, it's really a question of, uh, you know, what your risk profile is. Let, let, let me, let me jump in with, with something as well. You know, a couple of years ago, you know, like you guys, we're always available for everybody. It doesn't matter the size of the company. We talk to everybody, whatever we can do to help out. We have a two to five year plan for guys that are starting out that want to make some changes in their business to make sure they're heading in the right direction to seasoned veterans who, who are asking some pretty uh, complex questions. You know, I got a call probably about a year and a half, maybe two years ago from a gentleman who wanted to talk about what it looked like to make an acquisition because he wanted to grow. Okay. We got down into the you know devils and the details on it. What we realized was, is based upon where he was at, his EBITDA margin was half of what it should be. So if he just, instead of going out to try and figure out how to grow, went back in on his own business, made a couple of adjustments, he could have doubled that, which ultimately would have doubled the value of the business. He didn't have to go take that risk. So you kind of have, you know, as a business owner, you know, wanting to grow or, or you know, spread some, wanting to put a deal together, you also have to understand what your business is worth too. Right. Because sometimes that will change the direction you want to go in. And we see that happen I mean, Fred, every time we get on a call, <laughs> I'm sure they're worth and they're like, oh, wow, we didn't realize that. So what does the deal look like now? And you can just see, you know, the, the uh, all the wheels turning in their head as they realize, wow, I, I really built something special here. Yeah. In our limited experience in going through this, one thing that surprised me, I don't know if it surprised me, but it definitely sticks out as you know, dominant is the human element of these transactions, right? It's not just financial what role does leadership play in some of the, uh, I guess, profiles of people you're dealing with? Like, t- talk to me about that a little bit. 
it, it, it's critical, right? So, and, and I always say, when you, when you look at a deal and think about who you're selecting as your partner, chemistry, right? What kind of chemistry do you have? And it's a little bit like college recruiting. Everyone's putting their best foot forward. Everyone wants to win the deal and you gotta be able to see through that. But, you know, the leadership team is, is critical and that's something that, that certainly, you know, derives value. And it's also, you know, what, is the, what does the guy wanna do? Is he looking to, to buy and grow? Is he looking to, you know, take his processes and procedures like, like you know, like Ghetto's done, like Horizon's done, like, you know, some of these other ones have done? Or is he, you know, looking to, you know, retire and, 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 and go uh, sail around the world or something like that? Right. So it's understanding, you know, what his expectations are and what he wants out of a transaction. And, you know, Rob and Mike, the, the CEO, the, the you know, now CEO Warrior guys, when they sold gold medal, they wanted to go work at CEO Warrior, right? right. They had a plan. So, you know, the, the, what was important for them was, was finding the, uh, the right exit ramp. And for other guys, you know, it's, it's continuing to, uh, to grow the business, trying out something that they've done at their, at their location and being able to, uh, to scale that at other locations. But it's more than just the guy, right? It's a senior leadership team and, and the staff that he's developed. And you talk about things that, uh, that affect the multiple. Well, that senior leadership team is going to be pretty critical to determining value of the business. Right. SmartAC.com, SmartAC.com. If you haven't heard of it, you better find out. If you haven't implemented it, you better check it out. You have to get started doing something. 2024 is going to be an absolute battlefield. What are you doing differently than your competitors? You need to make sure that your memberships are sticky. SmartAC.com does that. Lifetime warranty, insurance savings, filter discounts, 24-7 monitoring that lets you know about problems before the homeowner might even know about the problem. Live tech chat, service providers, all of this with smartac.com. You've got to check it out now. How often, um, Brian, I assume you're talking to people every single day who are on either side of this transaction. How often do you find people who are either unrealistic in their expectations or unprepared for the types of conversations? <laughs> Daily. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was like Same. Well, multiple, multiple times a day. <laughs> oh, God, it's, it's nuts. So, so, you know, part of the challenge is this. You, you have a contractor and we'll say, and again, I'm generalizing and I get offended. Be real with the conversation. Your smaller guy has poured so much of his heart and soul into his business and feels that there should be some value for that. Yeah. So when you take a look at what their EBITDA number is, and you turn around and give them what a value, you know, we're, we're, what we feel would be their rough enterprise value. They scratch their head and they, their argument is, well, I work 80 hours a week and I do this and I do that. They think that their value should be like literally seven, eight, nine, ten 10 X. And they fail to realize that, you know, obviously you got to be a lot larger in order to be able to go ahead and get that multiple um, business owners on the larger end. You, know, you start to get the five to 10, 20, those guys, they run a different type of business. They're more realistic with what they have. So they understand it is a business. It's not as personal to them anymore. Um, I want to pivot for one second. I want to touch on something that Fred had said before with respect to um, chemistry. Mm -hmm. You know, out of the deals that we did last year, you know, everybody wants to say, God, how much can I get out of my deal? Because listen, let's be real. That check you're going to get is pretty important. But chemistry is also a really important piece of this. Last year, out of sure. the 15 transactions we completed, four of those deals, the top bidder did not win the transaction. Wow. Because the chemistry wow. wasn't there. So it was a different vision that the buyer had that the seller wasn't comfortable with. Even what was the money the same? No. Like, wow. No. So no. Significantly, significantly, significantly significant dollars because they feel really yeah. good about the uh, partner that they're, that's that they're good. selecting. Right. So that's, yeah. Yeah, that, that's good. That shows good integrity on the part of the seller. I think it did, well, when you understood what they were looking for, sure. you know, um, it, it made sense that, you know, you could have paid them even that much more. And I don't, I don't, uh, you know, at a certain point, I guess everybody has the price, but right. 
that particular scenario, that that wasn't going to work. Oh, that's interesting. Um, yeah, I get that goes to show you. Like, I mean, we we talk about it here, and everybody knows. I mean, culture is so important to us, and it's been the largest challenge over the past seven months is maintaining this culture we've always had. It's great. So it's so nice to have everybody back in the office, and all of our out of town employees are in town, which is why Tall Paul's here. But that matters to me, right? Like, and as I'm going through this acquisition um, of the, of the company that we're trying to buy, um, it's the same thing. Like I was, I'm trying to make sure leadership matches, like our cultures match, our integrity matches, our why matches, like all these things match. And of course we want to be fair to him, you know, to him too financially, but all those things matter to me. It just, I asked that question because it seems like the top four is, I mean, that's a competitive little space there. I mean, like if it's good to be the seller today, as long as you got a really solid little, little business, can you guys share, um, since we're on that topic, for our listeners who might even again be potentially thinking about selling is what are some of the, what are, like, give me say, you know, four or five characteristics of a highly successful business. Like what, if I'm listening right now and I'm, I'm even considering doing this, what are like four or five of those things that I should be looking at that would make me uh, the, of a highly successful business? Brian, you want to start and I'll, and I'll fill in the, uh, the gaps after. Well, you're going to put me on the spot on this one. <laughs> Sure. Accounting. I mean, you have to have your, your numbers and your number of people in order. It, it blows us away sometimes that uh, a, a very, a very large company, it, it, no handling stuff. they don't have a CFO in place. Like you have to be able to pull your numbers. When a buyer wants to see numbers, they don't want to wait two weeks. Yeah. Quick. You That's when you your, know. You got to have your hand on your KPIs. You got to handle them. Excuse me. Somebody says, what are your call counts? What is this? What is that? They don't have weeks for you to be able to turn that information around. Um, having your bench strength in place, you know, having your key managers in their positions and by bench strength. And one of the questions we always ask is if you were going to leave your business, how does the business do and how long can you leave it for, for the business to continue on moving in the direction you want it to? Is that never a week, two weeks, a month, the longer you can leave your business means that you are running your business, your business isn't running you. You've got the right people in place. Um, go ahead. Fred. I, got, I got a couple Service contracts, right? Those, those are critical. Buyers, you know, certainly love service contracts. You guys know all the reason. Puts a nice fence around your customer. I think another one is understanding who you are, right? You can't be uh, mastered everybody. It's understanding the business mix that you play in. It's, you know, we'll, we'll tell you, you know, we don't love new construction, right? That That's a uh, new construction. You know, when you're in that new construction, it's, it's certainly a, a, a little bit of a harder business to sell. And, you know, I think having that focus, whether you're a residential company or a commercial company, I mean, you can't be you can't be uh, all masters to everybody. So I think those are those are two other two, two other things as, as well. And be clear, make a decision. Like if you want to move down the path, get your stuff in, get your stuff together, like be prepared. It, it doesn't take a lot, but it's going to take some effort. Just get it done. And you mentioned you had 15 transactions closed last year, right? Mm-hmm. Without getting too far into the data, I have to imagine that there are hundreds that attempt, right? Yes, there are hundreds, not, not necessarily with us. Our time, <laughs> oh, yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> our, you know, if you sign up with us, we're likely going to get your, your deal closed. I mean, there may be uh, an outlier here or there, but I think our reach of, of buyers is, is great enough that we can, we can, we can certainly find a, uh, a partner for you and, and show you options. And, and, and we like to do that. We don't fail very often, right? So we have enough buyers, you know, if you tell me you've got a 100% new construction business, it's probably a deal I, I may shy away with because I'm not going to be successful there. But for the most part, if, if you've got a, a nice business and, 
you know, got that management team in place and got some, you know, following the KPIs and, and have the, uh, have your books in order and have some systems in place, we're going to be successful. Right. But there are, uh, you know, there are, there are others that uh, I don't think succeed the way we do, but you know, out of 15 deals last year, we probably had 15 on the board that we closed. Right. So we, we, we work hard on the ones that we have. We, we, uh, we try to get them over the finish line, and, and, and I think we do, uh, you know, if you ask our clients, I think they'd be uh, really impressed and very happy with the uh, services that we provided. What are some of the common pitfalls that you see when deals fall through? Oh, well, a, a lot of them. I'll, I'll, give you, I'll give you a couple examples. You, you, you guys probably know what working capital is, right, and, and how work, you know. Yep. Work, working capital certainly can impact the deal. Not understanding how working capital, you know, uh, impacts a deal is, is, is very important. You know, uh, Brian mentioned earlier, the, the accounting, right? If you, if your if your books and records aren't in order, you, you don't, you know, to add something back, guess what? It had to be taken out of the PL, right? And if it doesn't go through the PL, it went through, you know, distributions or through the balance sheet, it's not an add back. So understanding kind of how, how things fl- flow through the PL, um, you know, really uh, not operating in the ordinary course, right? You're expected from the time that you sign the LOI to continue to, to operate in the ordinary course. So if you're a, you know, a seller who's maybe on, on your way out, you're retiring or whatever, and you've had this, uh, this workforce, one of the things that you cannot do is give, you know, huge raises to, to, to your key people on the way out, right? That changes the EBITDA, right? You know, you got to operate in normal course. So if you're given three to 4% raises every June, then you continue to do that. But in September, you can't throw 10% at somebody because that, that affects the <laughs> not understanding all the uh, implications, you know, that you could do to a deal to muck it up, I think is pretty important, right? And that's, that's, another, that's another way that we help serve, right? If you got a question, we're here to support you and support the transaction. And so come to us, ask us, ask us those things, but don't muck up your deal. Go ahead, Chris. I want to, I want to throw, something on, throw something on there that, that Fred brought up, by the way, the, the workforce and taking care of them. We've brought on a number of clients over the last couple of years. And, and one of the reasons why they wanted to do a transaction was to take care of their time management. They wanted to be able to put some equity in place for them to move forward because some of these, you know, they've had management that's been with them 20, 30 years. And, and while they have some things in place, you know, they've been uh, crucial in the success and growth of the business. So this is their opportunity now. You know what I mean? To right. go ahead and really shine and, and take advantage of the growth and, and be taken that. care of. I and love it's that. With, in partnership with, with private equity. It's, um, been a really unique situation we've handled a number of those give me an example or oh, go ahead i'm sorry i, I was going to say so there's you know phantom equity or management incentive plan and it's usually you know so that's what private equity does right they come in and they create you can call phantom equity and call management incentive plan some people give stock at the same value they'll, they'll do a loan program but basically they're creating an incentive golden handcuffs you know for the for the key guys it's really the top folks in the organization but if things go the way they're, they're supposed to at that next exit, those guys are all going to be greatly taken care of. I mean, we've, we've heard stories, you know, in the, in the seven digits, right? Guys yeah. that are part of that C-suite, you know, CFOs, chief marketing officer, all the, all the key guys in the organization, you know, they may get a million, two million bucks on, on, on the next turn of the deal, right? So it's all based on how well the business grows and what the performance looks like, but they do the things they're supposed to do. There's going to be a nice windfall in the end for the uh, for the key guys. That is the sweet spot for sure. Tell me about the seller who's kind of, you know, not ready to sail off into the sunset, but it's going to have a great payday, but who wants to continue to be an operator and be in his community and be in part of the brand? Do you have really successful stories like that? First bite. Yeah, we, we, we've got, yeah, we, we obviously, there's the first bite and the second bite, right? <laughs> and I think if you ask somebody like, like Dave Geiger, 
his second bite was was worth more than his yeah. first bite, right? And so <laughs> if you partner, the, the nice thing about this, and when you think about private equity, these, these are leveraged buyout shops, right? So they're bringing in a certain amount of debt into the transaction. The flip side of that is it makes the equity cheaper. Yeah. So you can roll some money in, still maintain, you know, some level of ownership. And, and then when you see that thing grow, you know, there, there, there's going to be a pretty big payday at, at the next turn. And really what private equity does is you got guys who operate in certain levels and they sell it to, you know, a different PE group, right? We've seen, we've seen the rent group, right? They're on their third PE partner. Horizon's on their second PE partner. And each time there's one of these material events, guess what? You know, that it, it becomes a, a, a pretty big windfall for the, uh, for the guys who, who roll some money at that second bite. You, oh, go ahead, Brian. To, to add on to that, you know, you take a look at an owner who's maybe in his, you know, 60s, maybe early 70s, the business, they love it. They don't necessarily need to be there. It's a lifestyle. They don't want to walk away from the business. They love going in every day, you know, it's just part of their being. I mean, this is just a great scenario for them. Yeah. They partner up with private equity, part, private equity comes in, they get to roll equity. They're still staying in part of the business. I mean, they could do it in a consulting capacity. The stress and pressure is not going to be on them. They get to be a figurehead. They're still part of their business that they built from before. They're not sailing off into the sunset because the reality is these guys love the business so much. Sometimes they don't know what else there is to do. Yeah. Yeah. So that's available. It's a, you know, makes for a neat situation. And Fred's handled obviously hundreds of these. So what do they do if they have like kids in that situation or children in that situation that are working for the company? Like how do you guys give, I'm sure that has to come up like often, right? Asking for a friend, Chris. It, it definitely comes I'm up. I'm just saying often. like that. I may and, it, and it depends. I'll, I'll tell you, I'm going to give you a, a, a story, you know, that I don't think they'll mind me sharing the story, but term points first acquisition was a company in Louisville. I mentioned earlier, Downhower in Louisville, Kentucky, right? Father and son, Chris LaBeouf, ex blue dot guy. His son, Jason LaBeouf was, was kind of there. And when we did that deal, Jason and, you know, Chris was always like, look, it's important to, to see what happens to Jason. And my, that's one of my main concerns. And, we actually put together a financial model and we probably weren't even close. I, I know the numbers that, uh, you know, turn points doing the day and, and, and what, what, what it'll look like. Right. And we were probably ultra conservative in that model, but once they saw the model and saw what it could mean for both of them, what that second bike could be, yeah. we got, we got a lot of traction on the deal and ultimately got it done. Right. So it's, it is a financial windfall. And, and you know what, today, Jason is still there. Jason never really wanted to be the guy running the whole thing. He's got a role in the organization, loves what he's doing, and he's kept doing the same thing over the last, you know, four years under uh, under Turn Points guidance. Go ahead, Brian. And to add to that, you know, sometimes you know the the founder has been in this, this space 40, 50 years, worked their ass off to build this up, right. and created a very good life for his kids. Yeah. Kids may not necessarily have that same motivating. Uh, hey, I want to get up at four thirty in the morning, and get after it, eighteen hours a day. Right. So it makes it a little challenging to sell it to the kid where this now becomes an annuity situation because chances are the kid doesn't have the check to be able to go ahead and write. Yeah. So real, the reality is the the father partners or father or mother partners sure. with private equity, make sure that the kid is taken care of with equity that moves forward. And then the son or daughter's bite comes with the work that they're going to put in and it would take the company for where it is to the next place, which would be that second bite. But the parent gets taken care of right then and there. So there's no risk on their behalf. So, yeah, that, that second bite is supposed to be the big the big win, like the big, big win. Like that's the, right. that's the game plan. Like if we're going to do a first bite, the plan is to make the second bite the big win. <laughs> Absolutely. And it can really be, you know, generational changing, you know, money, right. It's, it's not just, you know, for the kids, it's the grandkids and everything else. Yep. And the only way to ever really realize a gain on your asset is you got to transact. Right. And think things can go up and down. So it's, it's important to understand that. Hey, so you guys have a crystal wall I heard 
and I want to know what's in that crystal ball. <laughs> so I hold on. I got to know because uh, I know like multiples are been have been amazing over the last, I mean, the last few, you know, gosh, first, second, third, you name it, quarter this year. Um, what is like what, how, this? I don't, can this sustain? Certainly it can't sustain, right? I don't know. Like, what is it? You look in your little SFMP crystal ball and you tell me, like, what does the future look like? Um, like in this, in, you know, in this whole MA world to, to, to in your crystal ball. Let's go. So, so I'll tell you, you know, we did 795 million in the last five years. I don't see any way that we don't beat that in the next five years, right? So I think it keeps going for every, you know, success story. There's, there's others who want to copy that, copy right. that success, right? They, they hear, you know, they all hear the different success stories and they, and they want to get a piece of yeah. it. And again, it goes back to what we said earlier, where are they going to invest in, right? So, you know, the market dynamics, the fragmentation, the ability to keep scaling these businesses, I don't see it stopping. I, you know, we have, we have clients that are concerned, Hey, what happens in November? What's the election do? And, and you know, from our standpoint, it's just business as usual. We're going to keep going and we're going to, every year we're going to try to set a new record. Yeah. As soon as the election's over, COVID's going to be gone. So it's going to be weird. It's gone. <laughs> <laughs> of course. What role, this is a completely random question that we didn't prepare you guys for, but what role do you see software playing into the climate that we're in right now with businesses? So I would tell you, and there's, there's obviously, you know, more than just service Titan, but we sure. deal a lot, we deal with a lot of clients that are on service Titan and these guys, you know, I got asked today on a, on a deal we're working on, like what drove this guy's growth. And one of the immediate answers is service Titan, wow. right. And, 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 and the software and how, and how well they've, uh, they, they've incorporated that. And, you know, now they're getting real data in real time and they're able to, uh, to use that data. Right. And so, I think software is, you know, critically important. We see guys on old systems and can't get the right data. You know, to me that for a buyer to see that, that's an opportunity, right? They're, they can drive more business from it. So I think it's critical and I think it continues to be an, an important aspect. Hold on. Go Hold ahead, on. Chris. Wait for it. I want to hang on that for a second. Um, so the nerd, just, the nerd part's going to come out in me. It's always, just a second, it, okay? it's always out. So <laughs> I said the nerd. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, He's here the whole time. <laughs> so, you're right. I think Service Titan, uh, in our opinion, is is the. I mean, they're the biggest player. It's at the biggest platform. Um, and I have these. I had a conversation with Vahe, one of the owners of Service Titan, um, last week or no, two weeks ago, um, about trying to connect the dots with exactly this. Like well, a lot of times, private equity will come to us, not necessarily even just to buy our customers. Like a perfect example, HP McClure. When they do an acquisition, they pull us in because they know that we'll beef up lead volume. But we are literally tracking not for every marketing dollar spent. You know, Service Titan's tracking the back end of it, the closed leads or revenue and stuff like that, but it's missing the front end. It's missing the actual opportunity that came in and, and, and the pricing attached to that and the cost per lead attached to that, the, like the, the close ratios attached to that, like the missed opportunities. So one thing how we've built this company is one, we've only focused on the trade, so we're not doing a bunch of different shit we don't know how to do. This is our niche, but we always have tracked the lead right from the start. So when the lead comes through that site, we can listen to it, hear if it was a new customer. You know, did Mary book the call? Was it a pay-per-click lead, an SEO lead? We can attach a cost per lead to it. Whether it closes or not, we've got the data to then go back. And my my conversation with Vahe and with even with House Call Pros, with Roland, was how can I pull that data into the dashboard so we can see not only front end but back end and then get a really clear picture on how we close. This is what we've done forever, which is why um, a lot of, like, like Ken Haynes has bought four of my customers. Okay. It's not good for me when he actually buys my customers. Okay. Right. Because then he pulls it in house. 
Right. See if I can't change his mind at some point in time. But, I'm, you know, but the good news is, is that he might also say, hey, you know, this guy you know, we're interested in looking at, he's not there yet. Go, you know, go work with Rhino and they can help beef you up to get you that extra $5 million in revenue. Sure. So there's like that little balance, right? But I love the idea of this. Um, that's a really great question that you asked that because I think that does help when you're going into a, a potential acquisition conversation or a seller or buyer conversation, if you know that you service Titan, you know, they probably got most of their shit together, right? Like when you go into due diligence, there's probably not as many things you're going to find, but at least sure. I would feel good. Like, because I've been, I've been asked to um, go into a deal like and, and buy, you know, another contractor, which I've, I've d- almost done a couple times. It's just the operational side scares the shit out of me. Um, it's where I feel like there's a lot of moving parts. What's but, in the pink bottle? Yeah, I don't know. How much did that cost? Did you, could you get it at a better cost? I don't have no idea. So I'm like, yeah, I can drive a lot of leads and a lot of revenue, but who gives a shit if you keep, if you're just plug, it in. <laughs> plug in the air conditioner inside of the house. There you go. That's all you do. But um, I have to believe that when you guys go into these deals um, and that you would encourage anybody to make sure you're using a solid field management software to make sure they're running a legit business. I do believe it's the best way to actually scale a business based off of real data today. Absolutely, 100% correct. Um, okay, so let's talk about this real quick. Paul, I derailed you, man. I know you were going to ask a question. No, that's okay, man. I deserved it. Okay, cool. Can I ask um, it I anyway? really don't. No, I really don't care. So I'm going to move on anyway. Um, no, did you really want to ask a question? No, no, no. Go was ahead, that Chris. value? Yeah, no, no, go ahead. Okay, was it like, hey, you had woke up at 3.30 for what reason? Um, so... Because we have a, uh, you know, we have a, a pretty, um, you know, we have a, we got a, we got a pretty big following, man. It's pretty cool. But most everybody is HVAC, plumbing, electrical, you know, um, because Tommy, you know, we, uh, we got garage door guys. We've got handyman guys listening to uh, the podcast. Um, what is, uh, what is some good advice you guys would give to newer owners? Like what should they be aware of to position themselves properly if their exit is to sell at some point or, uh, you know, all or part, whatever, what are some key things that you, that they need to look at or do like right now to put themselves in the best position to get the most out of that exit? I'd say the first thing that comes to mind is invest in their infrastructure, right? You got to have, you got to have some talent around the table. You got to, you got to spend money and, and have, uh, you know, people in that C-suite. You know, I think that that's obviously uh, important. Got to understand your numbers. Yeah, that probably is pretty important. Financial numbers. You know, we had a really good conversation with a gentleman not too long ago who gets a, uh, an audit done every year. And he says, that's his scorecard. Yeah. Nothing else matters until he sees a scorecard. Then he yeah. knows if he's winning or losing. And I was blown away. Made absolute sense. What are the things? So we spend a lot of time evaluating businesses. People call us and say, hey, we want to see if we can work with you. We want to see how much opportunity there is for growth. We want to buy new trucks and we want to hire new technicians, these sort of things. These are the normal conversations we have. So you're evaluating businesses like that all the time as well, right? Someone calls you and says, hey, I'm thinking about selling or whatever that might be. What are some of the things that when you hear it or you understand it or you look in their market, you're like, oh my gosh, this is going to be a good deal. And second part to that question are there any characteristics of different geographies of different service and product mix types throughout the country where you're like, Oh yeah, this is suburban Chicago with 10 employees. This one's going to be awesome. What's that look like? So, so I'll start with the second question. I'll leave the first one for Brian, but in terms of markets, you know, I I grew up around horizon and kind of watched where where they were. Right. And they obviously had an advantage being in the, in the Northeast and a third of the uh, population is there. Right. And so they, they would lean into markets and and just keep going. But what I've seen lately is, you know, I I know Turnpoint and and, and Trivest talk about this a lot and they're in places like eight Oklahoma and, and some other more secondary markets. And they're like, there's just no competition down there. Right. So, 
bigger market. You look at you drive around Atlanta where 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 Ken where Cool Ray is, right? And there's you know billboards every every you know it's the it's the billboard city, right? There's billboard an air conditioning billboard every half a mile, and there's a ton of competition. You look at some of these you know secondary markets, maybe you know forty three eighty MSA, and there's not there's not the same level of competition down there down there too. So I think we've seen you know I can tell you. 20, 20 something years ago, when I was at Blue Dot, I was like, oh, we got to be in a top 50 market or that's it. That's totally changed today, right? There's, yeah. you know, the, the competition factors in the secondary markets are, are less and it's less competitive and guys can really win in those markets. Brian, you want to handle the first one? Well, I'm going to add on, or even in the, what's it called, tertiary? Is that the third level market? There you, you have go. an opportunity yep. to fish in a small pond, you know? Yeah. You want to revert back, bring up the first part of that question again. I apologize. I was taking notes off of the second one. <laughs> oh no, I'm taking notes on the second one. I forgot the first part. So we we're talking about evaluating businesses. What are some of the things that you see that you're like, Oh yeah, this one's, this one's prime. This one's going to be perfect. They can, again, they can get their financials together pretty quickly yeah. and say, Hey, yeah, well, this is easy. We click three buttons. Here you go. Hold on. Let me get you over to my CPA who has all that information or my CFO uh, who, who can whip that together. Um, you know, it, it's that business, mix, business mixes, you know, is, yeah. is really important when we see a guy, you know, who's dominating a market is in the residential service and replacement business. We know that that's, you know, there's going to be a lot of demand for that, right? If you got a guy again, who doesn't understand, trying to service all, all different customers, those, those are a little bit tougher. So it's that focus and understanding who his customers are having that back office, you know, in order being able to, you know, we don't put people, I, I call diligence a colonoscopy without, uh, without anesthesia, <laughs> right? It, 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 it just, it's painful. We put people through maybe like 2% of the pain, maybe like, you know, we, we ask them, I think 52 questions up front. And sometimes we have guys, they just, they struggle getting our information, you know, in, and it's, and it's a problem, right? And we look at, when we talk about this kind of internally, like if they can't get us information on our fit, on our checklist and our 50 something questions, they're never going to survive diligence and we can do everything we can. We've got diligence trackers. We've got the information. If they can't get us that basic level of, of information so that we can go to market, we don't see how they're going to survive diligence. Right. So that's, that's obviously a key thing, you know, and as Brian said, and as we talked about earlier, being super well organized, having your stuff together. I, you know, I think that's, that that's critical to the process. Is it pretty rare that people have all their, Poop in a group, as they say. Paul actually goes to a, gets a colonoscopy done uh, three times a month. It's really I do. weird. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know. I don't know how to respond to that. I think I was just sexually harassed. Oh no, it's just I was just speaking the truth. That's okay. Like it's that's good. My, you that's, should, you that's, a HIPAA vi- that's a HIPAA violation. Hey, do you guys? Hey, do you guys? And because of that, there's a lot of those questions, um, and people are answering. You know, you, you can find out a lot about like how they're going to perform a due diligence based on those initial questions. Is when people come to you and they're not prepared. Do you give them like kind of get give them a path to say, hey, before we go any deeper in this conversation, these are the things that you need to do? Yeah, a- a- absolutely. We we have you know different tools that we can help them with, and and a lot of times you know we'll have that initial conversation, and they're not ready to transact, right? And we know they're not ready to transact, and we we give them the steps, and we hope they go back and implement them. And you know a lot of times they do come back, and they get their they get their stuff in order, right? It, it becomes an awakening for them, and it takes a little bit of time for them to get there, and hopefully through that let's call it that pause period, they are continuing to grow and, and improving their business. Hey, Brian, so, full transparency. How much of a time suck can that be sometimes? Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, and then, then it's me following up. Hey, do you have the stuff ready? You Did know, you- I'll just text you. Don't want to be annoying. It was four weeks ago. Still waiting on that one piece of information. But um, I, I want to take one step back with some of the things that Fred said. You know, we have – he's actually created a, a really neat process where we can take a look at about seven pieces of information 
and we can put together really like a rough business estimate valuation. Um, it doesn't take a whole lot of time on our end, and it isn't too uh, invasive and overbearing on their end to be able to get the information put together. We did that specifically because we knew if we dumped this 50-some-odd checklist on them, they'll freak out. They're never going to get that over to us. But if we can get a limited you know, 10% of that for argument's sake, we can work those numbers internally. We can have some conversations back and forth with the, uh, with the seller or the prospect, whoever's look, you know, whatever they're looking to do, and have a pretty good high-level conversation. At that point in time, they are now armed with the information to make a decision whether or not they want to move forward. The hope is that if they make the decision to move forward, they're committed to it. Oh, okay. I'll go get you the other 40 some odd items that are necessary in order to go ahead and make that happen. Yeah. It's hard when you don't know exactly what the next step's going to look like to commit all that time, effort, and energy, especially amongst your team to you know pull 50 some odd items together, much easier to pull seven. So Fred created that number of years ago. It's worked out uh, incredibly well. And for somebody that necessarily doesn't, isn't ready to take the next step, listen, it didn't take them a million hours to put it together. It didn't take us a million hours to go ahead and get that done on our end. We've developed a relationship. Now they know how to close a month out properly. They just keep updating us. So we're tracking where they're at as well. And every quarter we follow up with another call to give them an idea of where things are at. You know, I bet you there's, there's so much to this that it, I, I, even in the beginning, it was like, I, uh, your head can spin. Cause there's no way you're gonna remember all this stuff, which is exactly why people hire guys like you because you need experienced professionals to be able to dig through all those details and not just a person, a team of people, right? Like it's, you need to have that, that, did you just flex on me, Brian? <laughs> you need yeah. to have that muscle. Uh, is that what we were getting at? I was feeling it for a moment. <laughs> well, I noticed that you pushed up with your finger to make your bicep hey, a little bit bigger. Come on. Of course you did. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm feeling amazing. Chris, Chris's way of speeding up due diligence is just not doing it. Just go with the gut. Just roll with it. That's What's right. the worst that could happen? Let me see the EBITDA. So, hey, really quickly, looking at your roster of clients, I mean, you work with it's the most, an asshole thing um, to say. most relevant players in the industry, right? Yes. Of all yes. the people you've met over the years, you've been doing this a long time. Who are some of the leaders you admire the most? Oh, you know, I think some of the guys that, that we've mentioned, right. Ken Goodridge, Ken Haynes, Dave Geiger, you know, yep. really, really no surprises guys who have, you know, been there and done that. Right. And they, they've grown, they've, they've seen it. And, and so, uh, you know, been, been close with a lot of these guys through the years and, and, been really interesting to watch how, and they're how they all pull. unique right like yeah. they're all unique the personalities are totally different right, right? right. The, the way they tackle it's totally different they all they all get to you know a great place but they're they're, they're definitely uh yep. very unique guys who are the up-and-comers who do we not every know about owner, every owner is by the way you know yeah. real quick you know when we get obviously when we take a deal to market we get to know these guys pretty intimately right you know what I mean? like there, there's a friendship a kinship that's developed now, sometimes a deal could take a year. You know, you're having a lot of conversations with these guys back and forth. You really get to know them. Every story that we hear always, it's just, it's as amazing, if not more amazing than the one we heard before, the way these guys start off, what they've gone through in order to go ahead and build their business, the trials and tribulations. Um, and we want to make sure that that fact's represented to whoever wants to buy the business. You know, that's an important piece of the history of that company. Uh, yeah, really just some absolutely incredible people across the country. Good. Now you mentioned people that we know, are there any up and comers or sleepers that we should know about that you're comfortable sharing? You know, I would say, um, you know, there's Jamie Gertzen at, at Apollo home services in Cincinnati. He's, yeah. he's, he's pretty dialed in. He's, you know, really culturally driven Anthony Perara at, at air pros. He's, he's, he seems to have a, uh, Tampa, you know, right? and he, he's a young gun who's, uh, seems to be going places. So, you know, we're, if, what's interesting for me, all of a sudden, I become the old guy in, in, in these meetings, right? <laughs> yeah. Doing this as long as I have. And I was like, when did that happen, right? Yeah. But that's, uh, 
We've definitely seen that of late as well. And we're seeing it too. There's like a lot of young energy that's kind of getting into this space. And I think a lot of it is enabled by technology, right? Software. And then, you know, um, also technology that just allows people to connect. Like you used to have to join a next star, join one of these big groups to get a lot of information. And I'm not taking anything away from those groups, but it seems like today more and more people are, are able to just pick up the phone and call I mean, a, you, call you, a get, can. you can get in a Facebook group and, and be in Ken Goodrich's office the next day. Yeah. <laughs> or, or, or Ishmael's for that matter. Yeah. Ishmael's another one. Oh yep. my God. With his, with his control panels and his control centers and, oh, and every day, I don't think that guy ever sleeps. Uh, Ishmael is, uh, Ishmael and I've become you know pretty close over the last you know few, few months and his like, you know, the dashboards and a lot of fun stuff. And obviously his connection with service Titan and all yeah. that fun stuff. Like he's certainly one of those guys who's trying to change that, like the, the game, like, and he's very forthcoming about that. But yeah. that's a great example of exactly, you know, talking about the younger guys is is that he doesn't, you don't think he have, really has much of an of an off switch, but it's been fun to watch his company. Huh. It's kind I don't of know anybody like that. Yeah, I know. It's a roll. Hey, listen, we're getting really close on time now, so I want to try and wrap this thing up. And I appreciate you guys sharing so much information. And, um, and again, I don't, um, anybody who's listening to, I'm sure that uh, if you're genuinely interested in this topic or now you're interested in this topic or you've been thinking about it, um, you cannot... You cannot, for your sake, your employee's sake, your family's sake, uh, go at it on your own. Like you have got to make sure that you get really good, solid, experienced help. And clearly, like both Fred and Brian, like these guys have. I mean, this is their niche too. This is the industry, like the HVAC, the plumbing. Like this is their niche that they're the best at. They've negotiated monster deals. Guys like Ken Haynes and Ken Goodrich and all those guys. Um, you know, they don't work with guys like you because you don't know what you like. They, they want the best of the best too. Right. So, um, you got to make sure you find the right partner. So I would encourage you to, if nothing else, contact them and ask them, you know, are you in the right position? Are you thinking about it? Not that they're going to like, Brian's not going to hunt your ass down because you reached out to him. He's going to want to see like, is this really what you want? I mean, ultimately you need to make sure you what, you know what your exit strategy is first before you even go down that path. Like, is it what you want to do? But if you're considering it, even if it's I mean, as far as you guys, like, I'm guessing you guys would say the same thing. Even if you're considering it and maybe it's like, you still got a lot of runway ahead of you, say five, 10 years, you still got to get your shit together. And like this stuff doesn't just come together quickly. So I would encourage you to reach out to these guys. So would you guys share the best way for somebody who's listening to be able to contact you? Sure. Um, you know, for, for listeners, if you're interested in getting an idea what your business is worth, where you're at right now, which will be your kind of your benchmark. I mean, give us a call. I'll give you my cell phone number. It's 954-226-3409, 954-226-3409. Call me, text me. You can send me an email, brian at sfpadvisors.com. Pretty simple. I'm good. I'll get back to you. We'll have conversations. We'll figure out where you're at and take a look at what some next steps might bring you. He really likes to get um, text messages between <laughs> the hours of 1 and 3 Late at night. Yes, my favorite time. <laughs> Uh, East Coast time, please. Get that right. Paul, you have anything else? I was just going to say, we have a, a client on the East Coast, Rob Minnick. We do. He texted me Eastern time, 2.34, up and at it, ready to run the business. Maybe he had a dog that was in his cage at one time. Could have been. <laughs> hey, guys, we appreciate you so much. I uh, I thank for all the information. And um, and listen, like it, it's been really cool um, as I've gotten to know like you, Brian, and Fred, this first time that we're meeting. But 
getting to know you guys and your company and learning more about it and the transactions you've done and the actual overlap between, you know, our mutual clients, which has been really cool. So um, you guys are doing a lot of great stuff in the industry. So I commend you for that. Fred's like an OG in this space. He's been around it for a long time now that that he's the old guy, but we appreciate you guys so much. Um, Again, listeners, we'll, um, even though Brian shared his information, we'll also tag it when we make the post, we'll give you guys a heads up when we're going to launch the episode, but Paul, you have anything else for them? No, I would say that if any of your clients want to grow, we can recommend a really good marketing agency they can work with. You're damn right. Starts with the I, or starts with the R, ends with the O in the middle, is a Y and an N. I don't know how else to put that, but it's called Rhino. <laughs> we had to blow shit up. Hey, guys, appreciate you so much. Listeners, thank you so much for listening. Um, and again, if you are even thinking about this, um, even if you don't feel like you're really committed to it, you're thinking about it and you have questions, reach out. All you got to do is ask. Yeah. If we learn anything during COVID, it's that everybody's willing to help, no matter what whether you're a customer or not, right? No doubt. Right? No doubt. Right? <laughs> it's good to be back in the studio with you, Chris. I know. We don't we don't get this uh, these awkward exchanges over yeah. you know, 2000 no. miles. Just so you guys know, Paul was the biggest pain in the ass since he's been in the studio today, this morning, getting it started, but now, you know, and, he, he's I, settling in. So I've been here three years, but I'm still a visitor. I'm still a guest. So I do expect people to treat me like a guest. He's a diva. None, none of this was set up for me. I had to he's, set up my own stuff. He's a diva. Hey, guys, we appreciate you coming on. Thanks, guys. We appreciate doing it. Awesome. Hey, you guys, guys. take care. Keep kicking ass and keep representing uh, representing the industry well. We'll see you. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to To The Point. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please consider leaving us a review in the App Store. And don't forget to share with your friends. Till next time, kick some ass.